Hey, it's the Anything But Quiet Time podcast and our special Christmas series with Rochelle and Carter. Oh, this is a good one. Finding the Jesus in your favorite Christmas movies and this week's movie. You know Dasher and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen. Mm-hmm. But. but what do you recall? The most famous reindeer of all. Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer. I love this movie. Great. You see my bag? It is a Rudolph. I have one of those lounge fly backpacks, little mini backpacks, and it lights up. You must it see lights there. up? I'm going to light it up just for you. See His there? nose lights up. See? Oh, that's so sweet. If he had only known that he would be a backpack, he would never have felt like a misfit. Well, that's it. You know what? You're, that's a very good point. <laughs> but I watched this movie. We're going to break it down. We're going to find biblical principles in this movie. Mm-hmm. I can't believe we were able to do it with Christmas Vacation last week. Somehow we did that. Because there's, there's always a reason why. I don't know. You, I take Jesus into the movie theater with me wherever I I go, no matter the rating. Well, and you can learn from other people's mistakes. Exactly. <laughs> okay. But this, this movie, the original Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, I had not actually watched since I was a kid until this week for this podcast. That's such a shame with this incredible stop motion animation classic. But I found something. What are you doing? The detective work that I did. This is not required on our podcast. No detective work. It was... An amazing time trying to get the red string all over the bulletin board I have at my home. Because I found a revelation that has been under our nose for the past, what, 50, 60 years. Under our red shiny nose. That's exactly right. It it blew my mind. Wait, when was this film released? Uh, I don't know, 67? So it's, okay. Donner is Rudolph's dad. Yes. Did you know this? Um, yes, because it's revealed within the first 60 seconds of this 60-year-old okay. movie. But I did ask my family this, and they're like, really? Huh. Because it, it's one of those that you kind of forget about. Well, if you but have that, a, that like, yeah. leads me to the next clue. To the next string, if you will. You see, you just heard the names in the song. Dasher and Dancer and Prancer yeah, and Vixen. We've established the names. Comet yeah. and Cupid and Donner. Donner. And yeah. Donner. Rudy's dad. Yes. And then it goes on to say... All of the other reindeer yes. used to laugh and call him names. And mm-hmm. you got Donner as one of the all of the other reindeer mm-hmm. making fun of his own son? Well, okay, first of all, also within the first few minutes of the film, his red shiny nose, this is not a badge of honor for his dad because he covers it up with, you know, Soot. Yeah, that's true. That's that is a good point. He's not exactly father of the year. Exactly. <laughs> but I think that the film kind of goes on to share it's not all of the other reindeer because it's his peers mainly. The adults are not making fun of him per se, but they certainly are not standing up for him. Well, okay, first of all, let's go ahead and go with what his dad said, because this is the first thing that blew my mind. Right, yeah, right in the opening scene. It's not very comfortable. There are more important things than comfort. Self-respect. I thought that was a fascinating, first of all, a terrible father quote, but I thought that was a fascinating quote on, on even our society. Mm-hmm. There are more important things than comfort, self-respect, and that can really go bad or good. Yeah, what does in, self-respect look like? Exactly, right? Because is if it's pride, 
mm-hmm. in, in, in just making sure to have all appearances ducks in a row, like this example, yeah. no comfort and being exactly what you look like and comfortable in your own skin. No, that should take precedent over making sure I fit in with society. Yeah. However, it can go bad if you, if self-respect is a, a being a, a great Jesus follower, living a, a healthy life where it doesn't turn into all about me with comfort and laziness. Mm. So it really depends on how you use it. Of course, how he used it. No, his red nose is just how he was born. And that's that. He calls it what they call it later in Burl Ives, the narrator who, oh my word, Burl Ives. Come Classic. On, love him. Uh, is a nonconformity. <laughs> So that's that, right. That's the way his nose is viewed. Everybody else has this cute little black button nose and he's got this red honker and it lights up and it whistles too. In it the movie. does whistle for that's some That's never reason. mentioned in yeah. the song. That sounds like when I'm sleeping. Uh, <laughs> that's my nose whistle. Uh, but yeah, it's it's kind of sad. First of all, the, the very first lesson he is taught by his parents is that your comfort should be wrapped up in your appearance mm. and instead of being comfortable in your own skin. I know you've been cognizant of the fact of, uh, and I, I can't remember where you got this uh, or if you just thought of it, but making sure my negative self-talk doesn't mm-hmm. also impact my kids. Now, clearly they were speaking yeah. to Rudolph, but that my negative self-talk when I look in the mirror isn't overheard constantly by my children. Yeah. So the appearance is as big of a deal as, as these reindeer are making it. So when we say our self-talk, yeah, when you are specifically looking in the mirror and saying, I can't believe I have this problem. And just constantly, there's this, speaking of movies, is the Mean Girls movie. There's this scene where these popular, beautiful girls are looking at the mirror and just, oh, my nail beds are terrible. Oh, my shoulders, I've got man shoulders. Oh, you know, and the Lindsay Lohan character's like, um, I've got bad morning breath. <laughs> but it seemed to be the popular thing is just dog their appearances. The problem is, is that when we're doing this, even if you're telling your child how beautiful they are, they pick up everything sure. that you think about yourselves and they apply that to their own life because they want to emulate what you put out there. And so- that may not be my intention, but if I'm constantly being that, you know, just down on myself, sure. my kids are going to pick that up and start doing that to themselves. And I've heard it already when I'm mad at people in traffic. What are you doing? And then I'll even self-correct in front of them and say, you know what? That was mommy's fault. I should have made a turn signal or I should have done this and so. And later on in life, I'll hear them use those same kinds of terms that I have said negatively, even though I've tried to go back and correct it. Mm. Hmm. because they've picked up what I've laid down. Sure, yeah. Which is scary. That's sobering, right. It's like the one thing that I wanted you to remember is not the thing you're going to remember. <laughs> it's going to be that one thing that I said that one time that I don't remember saying. Well, just uh, with the first part of the movie, even Santa getting in on, on talking to Donner himself. Right? Stop calling me Why? Why should Donner be ashamed of himself? Santa's really not nice in this production. To no, be he's not. No, he's not my favorite representation of Santa Claus. But there are, I know there's pressures with parents to make sure that that our kids are, they, they fit in. I mean, I, I, I think we get the the understanding mm-hmm. and, and why Donner feels the way that it is. He just doesn't go about it the right way. And we can also do it when our kids um, have a lot of potential. 
And somebody told me recently the saying that potential is a very heavy burden to carry mm -hmm. because you have people constantly your whole life going, wow, you're beautiful or man, you're tall. You're going to be a basketball player. Or, wow. You're so smart. And you constantly mm -hmm. feel like you have to live up to it. Mm -hmm. And it can go, yeah, either you are, it turned out to be really good or really beautiful. And then the pressure's there to maintain it. Or man, I never lived up to what they told me I would be. Yeah. I never thought of it that way. Cause we do want to encourage, right? I mean, Hey, you have a bright future. I mean, it's not bad something to say something like that. That's bad. It's just that how, how much am I investing in appearance like Donner was or, or potential with, yeah. Okay. A career. Okay. A hobby. Okay. Looks not that important in the long run. What's important is, is their spiritual health. Yeah. And do they know Jesus? Yeah. So I want to jump ahead a little bit because spiritual health somehow along the way, Rudolph discovers something and he clearly did not learn this from his parents, but when he's growing up. Rudolph was growing up. And growing up made Rudolph realize you can't run away from your troubles. Wait, growing up made him realize that you can't run away from your troubles. Well, I've met a lot of people who are grownups, including myself, <laughs> who have wanted to just tuck myself under the covers yeah. and run away from my troubles. So that clearly something got lost in translation there. How did he come to this awareness so he must have he must have gone on this journey when he was traveling with his friend Hermia at one point, trying to figure out what is his purpose, what is his identity, all of that. And you know what this film lacks, and I think it's it's incredible. I we just said we don't necessarily like the way that Santa is interpreted. So when our children are watching this and they start to pick up on these little nuances that Santa Claus, like the first thing he sees is that nose. Well, that's a shame. Mm -hmm. Well, it's not going to work out for him. I mean, clearly this is not, this is not the quote savior in the story. The savior in the story is, is supposed to be Rudolph, right? Which I'd like to contest that here in a second. But as followers of Jesus, we get to point our children to, did you know that Santa Claus actually um, loved Jesus very much? Man named Nicholas. And, you know, kind of point them back to the, this is the person that I should be looking to. I should not be looking for my identity anywhere else, mm -hmm. but in the person of Jesus Christ. And it tells us in scripture, honestly, when we choose to follow him, that this will require that we lay down any preconceived notions about what our lives are supposed to look like and pick up a cross to follow the Lord, which essentially is to serve others. And so it gets lost in a very Hollywood shuffle, I think, about identity and what it should look like, even in this cartoon. Because it's like, all right, Rudolph finally comes to this conclusion. We don't know how. <laughs> we, we don't know how. We know that he loves his family. We're not entirely certain how that all came about. Maybe it was just because he was a quote-unquote good reindeer. Uh, because his parents certainly didn't show him a whole lot of love. No, you see his mom and Clarice uh, obviously care yeah. a little more than his dad did. His dad went to look for him, you know, yeah, for example. Yeah, he went to look for him. Um, so but with his actions, not his words, he showed love. When I think when you talk about identity, I mean, 
enter the island of misfit toys, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I think there's two observations we can make about the island of misfit toys uh, that we should feel that way. Yes. To, to a degree. I think it's more commonplace than the film would like us to think. Well, I mean, I think we should acknowledge its reality. Yeah. But also what I mean is as a believer in Jesus, we should not feel totally comfortable in this world. Mm-hmm. That you're going to live life and things are great and you're watching this show or that show and here comes Christmas. and But then something happens in the news or even if you're just, just at work. Yeah. And, and it seems like it's pretty commonplace to agree with this way of doing things or this belief. And all of a sudden you feel like you stick out a little bit because you don't believe that way because Jesus said the opposite. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good to be a misfit. It is. That's great to stick out and not fit in. And it certainly Maybe from all appearances doesn't feel that way. Oh no, not it, necessarily at all. You're in a room of a hundred, yeah. and you're the one person that says I don't agree with that. Well, I remember in philosophy class in college. You know, it's 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 a little bit recourse pending on your professor too. Of he may call you out. Uh, <laughs> the shades of God's not dead. One, two, three, four, or five <laughs> come to come to mind. But you know, you uh, who's a Christian in here? I raised my hand, and um, I in Oklahoma, growing up in the in the South. I thought it was going to be half or three-fourths yeah, of the people. It's the Bible Belt. There's four or five of us. Yeah. And you start to realize, oh, I have been living in a bubble. Yeah. And and maybe there were others that did believe, but because they were concerned about others and yeah. what they were going to think. Well, and if I had known it was going to be that small amount of people, I know I would have had second guesses. Yeah. I just was sitting on the front. I remember it. I just was sitting on the front row. And I was like, oh, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not going to be a big deal. And then I turn around and <laughs> there wasn't many behind me. Yeah. You, it proved you were a nonconformist. <laughs> Not my nonconformity, right? Yeah. But another thing with the Island of Misfit Toys, that is what we should be to people in the world that are looking for a place. The church. Yeah, that's the, good. The body of Christ mm -hmm. should be this, yeah, we're all messed up. Come on over. And I heard this. <laughs> somebody said, somebody said the words, uh, Apparently, somebody told my friend, I don't go to church. It's filled with hypocrites. And they replied, uh, that's not true at all. We can easily fit more hypocrites in. <laughs> and it's like, this is a place of broken people. Yeah. And if you feel that way, come on in because we are forgiven. That's why it's really important for us to share our wounds. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, hopefully that have scarred over. If there's still a wound, then there's still healing that needs to take place. But even being vulnerable and saying, hey, I'm still in the healing process. True. It's important so that others know I do fit in here. That's part of the song is we're a couple of misfits. That's how we fit in. Mm -hmm. That's the lyric of the song. When I think of the misfit toys, though, too, there's it's funny because there's this king, the lion with the wings who sounds like he's talking into some reverb machine when he's, every time he talks, come closer. Yes, yes, it was. And come closer. Well, what does he do up there? The whole room was empty. I don't know. Uh, you know, his they court. His job, according to Charlie in the Box, not the Jack in the Box, because right. he's a misfit toy, uh, is that he goes around the world looking for toys that don't quite belong. And there's only like eight of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, I mean, there's eight of them. You know, there was the boat and the plane and the, the gun that shoots jelly. That's four. Uh, no, there were a lot in the background. There was the polka dotted elephant. That's There's five. Charlie. Six. Okay, hold on. Hold Train on. with square wheels. That's uh, seven. Okay, uh, the cowboy that rides an ostrich. That's eight. Okay, I'm going to go for one more. Mm. <laughs> there, 
there's a lot in the background. I just randomly picked the number eight too, but wouldn't it be funny? There was like only eight. No, but at the end of the film, when they all pile into Santa's uh, sack filled with toys, there's only like eight that jump oh, in there. Oh, there was only then. Okay, yeah, that's so, right. So anyway, the point being is that I, uh, there is such an emphasis on how Hermie, who wants to be a dentist... And how Rudolph, because he doesn't want to make toys like the rest of the elves, and how Rudolph, who has a glowing nose and none of it, nobody else does, how weird they are. And yet, I think it's really important. Why do we identify with the underdog? Because we feel like that. Because we, every single one of us feel misfit. Every Even the popular kid that you think has never had a problem before. Mm -hmm. We all feel misfit. And so to go along with what you're sharing, the church is the place where people who feel misfit should be able to go. All of us fit into the category of a Hermie or a Rudolph. All of us in some way or another. Now, you may look at the the bombshell next to you and think never has she had a problem. Or the guy who's climbing up that corporate ladder with millions in his pocket. Oh, my word. Those, those may be the ones hurting the most. You just never know. That's and so we too. have, yeah. unfortunately, we have labeled them as perfect. And that is their quote, feeling misfit. I'm not allowed to have these feelings inside because I look this way or I have this gifting that's allowed me this business uh, climbing up the ladder or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. Now I have inadvertently made them feel, they feel misfit. Yeah. You know, because they yeah. feel different on the inside or whatever. So I know you're about to talk about Yukon uh, Cornelius, and I guess I just had a <laughs> just a, a non-spiritual observation. When they go to this court of this, you know, of the lion of guy, the, the Chronicles the of Narnia character, right? <laughs> and and he's like, now, yes, you may stay for the night. Show them to their quarters. Could they have not given Yukon Cornelius his own room? No, like like they they put him all in a little yeah. dollhouse, and he's sleeping vertical. And, and he goes to sleep in five seconds. And it's pretty I'm, incredible. Why? Why? I mean, my gosh! Like, what, did you see that castle? You telling me you don't have one room to spare for a grown man? Are you serious? So why? Why would you give one to Yukon and not one to Hermie or Rudolph? Well, I mean, they're like kids, right? They're so small. No. I can see them in the dollhouse together. He's an elf. He's a full-grown elf. A full-grown elf. Wow. I mean, that's elfist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. No, I think you're to your point. I think there's at least three rooms. Why did you put them all in the little cottage outside? I don't know. Maybe there's no room in the end. <laughs> See, it all came back. No, to, no, no. But I, I will tell you with you, Cornelius, who what a great character. Um, and I do love the fact that he falls asleep in milliseconds because honestly, that's my husband. And yeah. It's very frustrating for yeah. people who can't sleep well. I'm like, there's always somebody. You were just in the middle of a conversation. And he's gone. And he's, he's, he's out. out. That's right. Yeah. Oh, let's fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> Three, two, one. Out. I, I love uh, when he introduces himself here. The name's Yukon Cornelius, the greatest prospector in the North. This is my land. And you know, it's rich with gold. Gold! Silver, silver and gold. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he nothing. He tastes. He tastes the, the, the pickaxe. Pick and because he know, can taste gold. Because he's just completely consumed by it. And that's actually a comment that the snowman makes. Mm. Um, Sam the snowman, I think is his name, but <laughs> Burl Ives plays a snowman and he's like silver and gold. And then he sings a song. Seems like that's all Yukon Cornelius can think of. 
And then he sings this song about silver and gold decorations on the Christmas tree is really what's of value because the value of family and togetherness and decorating the tree together and pointing to something bigger than what money can buy is the point of the song. And at the very end of the movie, Yukon has this change of heart and he actually helps reform the monster. And here's the beast. Now calm down, calm down. I reformed this bumble. He wants a job. Looky what he can do. doesn't even need a stepladder. Wow. See, the abominable snowman who was the villain throughout the entire film, along with, well, honestly, I wonder if he was as big a villain as some of the reindeer. Man, right? Uh, or Donner, because Carter's got a thing against Donner now. He's like, hashtag down with Donner. Yeah. He's the <laughs> worst. Uh, anyway, uh, what does Yukon do? He helps reform the abominable, the abominable snowman. Easy for me to say. And then the snowman, abominable, decorates the Christmas tree with what? The silver and gold. That's that right. That truly matter. Yeah. I just found that interesting. And then at the very end of the film, I never heard this part before, but he does the thing. I don't know if you remember Yukon, he throws up his pickaxe and wherever it lands, that's when he tastes it to see if there's silver and gold there in that area. Well, when he does it this time, he tastes peppermint and he has totally decided it's not about the money anymore. I want peppermint hmm. in my life. <laughs> I don't remember him ever saying He has a new passion. He has a new passion. Well, I think that's interesting because you have, and in any movie like this, you have a, a villain mm -hmm. that is unredeemable. Yeah. A beast, if you will. And here he is redeemed. And mm -hmm. that that is all of us. That is all of us. That we beasts, and I, I hope you don't take that as disrespectful because that's just the, the sin in us, we are we would be undesirable to a perfect and holy God that wasn't so loving. Mm -hmm. If God was who God is, but just not loving, we would be doomed. Yeah. And enter Jesus in being you know, one with the Father and coming to die voluntarily for our sins because he loves us that much. And so much so that we beasts are then co-heirs, as it says in, I believe it's the book of Romans, with Christ, that we'll get to share <laughs> in the riches and glory. We'll get to put the star on the tree. Yeah. Even though we don't deserve to. We did not deserve it. What's been really interesting, though, before the abominable snowman gets to a place where he is humbled enough to be redeemed, he's, you know, he's not a great guy. He is terrorizing. Apparently, he wants to eat the reindeer. It takes 500 years. Yeah. Have you noticed he that? He had a chance like for a long, but it, just like any villain in a movie, you got to be like, so let me give you this speech. <laughs> Nothing will stop me now. And Clarice even says it at one point. She's like, why doesn't he just get it over with? <laughs> so <laughs> Clarice being the love interest, which don't even get me started. That was the quickest falling in love on screen oh, ever. Oh my, she was just like, I, I think you're cute. And I think you'll do the best. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> you do a, a terrible impression I'm of Clarice. Clarice. It's more like Silence of the Lambs Clarice. I do, yeah, like. that's creepy. I do a good George Washington. Do you? Yeah. Hey there folks, George Washington. I mean, I've got nothing to compare it to. Exactly. Sounds just like George you, Washington. You have no idea. You have to take my word on it. Clank your wooden teeth while you do it. <laughs> 
So I want to make sure I don't lose track here, but the abominable snowman, the bad guy, he has a moment where apparently he also likes pig. Oh, that's right. Remember yes, that? he does. So Hermie pretends to be a pig. Rudolph gets major credit in this film, as he should. He went through a lot of, honestly, we're being kind of silly with it, but if this was an actual child, this is emotional abuse. Oh my gosh, yes. This is horrible. Yeah. Not only is he dealing with bullying from his peers. But his parents. His parents aren't standing up for him. The the king of the North Pole, Santa Claus, mm -hmm. is shaming him for his nose shining. I mean, it's, that's awful. Yeah. So he's been dealing with all of this. But then he has this friend who's very interested in, well, a community that most people have no interest in being a part of, unless, of course, they're like, I don't know what I want to do with my life. Hey, being a dentist gives you good money. Maybe I'll do it. <laughs> unless you have a very big fondness for molars. But um, this guy, Hermie, has no desire to do what everybody else around him wants to do. I know with maybe you've got a kid who's really involved in sports and your other kid is maybe not involved in like you can't put your finger on it yet that doesn't mean that god doesn't have a plan for their lives sure well i know one thing for me i think about family business stuff mm -hmm. and kids that don't want to do the family business and yeah my dad didn't own a grocery store but he worked at one for 30 years and um you know i didn't never know because like a couple of my cousins like worked at the grocery store like, like, he was like the head of the grocery store he was like the manager of the it, it was like the man he was like uh, he would travel around because there's uh you know 25 30 stores and so he would travel around he's like district manager mm -hmm. um but uh my cousins lived in other parts of the state and they'd work there and i just never really wanted to do that yeah and i didn't kind of i didn't know about the expectation but he always gave me the freedom of you could work here you know like there was no you have to follow in my footsteps in the tradition yeah. and because that that can be that can be you know, we're talking about potential and the the heaviness of laying burdens on kids. And that, that can be one of them. It's really interesting is that I think it's human beings who put parameters like that out there because God absolutely sets boundaries. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about that before. Um, he is the one who created the concept of boundaries, even just, you know, determining where the land starts and the water begins or ends or vice versa or whatever. But, uh, he gives us freedom within those boundaries. We're the people in society <laughs> yeah. that make others check boxes socially, you know, which is all relative. So much of it, like what is considered appropriate in some cultures and inappropriate in others. Sure. You know, so that's fascinating. But it is literally the little dentist elf that saves the day. Because if it wasn't for him knowing about teeth, he would never have been able to pull out the teeth of the monster. Which, that happened really quick. And it, it was impressive. Kind was, of graphic as well. If you think, <laughs> think about it, though, I, and I did, because I don't know if you've ever had dry socket. I was like, that monster did real well. <laughs> <laughs> I know, he was up and running in no time. But Hermie helped save the day. And if he wasn't able to pull those teeth, those reindeer would have been as good as Christmas dinner. Well, and honestly, this applied to him too, but I, what I noticed about uh, Rudolph earlier, when he left in the middle of the night from the island of Misfit Toys, because mm -hmm. he knew he was his nose was going to put his friends in danger, Yeah, and that he selflessly there 
he laid down his life for his friends, mm, mm-hmm. leaving Yukon and Hermes, and that was a difficult thing to do, but yeah. he, he did it. He knew he was in danger, and he obviously ended up being okay. Because his nose kept alerting the abominable snowman. Exactly. I'm here. And so, you know, that that is scripture to lay down your life for our friends, whether in, whether in service or, or safety like that. There's there's one more parenting lesson. I'm gonna, It's interesting. No, yeah, I got to say, yeah. that's interesting that you picked up on that because I thought it was almost foolish for him to leave his friend. Oh, I think it was foolish. And I think in most real life situations, most you would, you would just take the risk and you would band together. But because you see at the end, when they do band together, yeah. they have success. Right. But I never thought of it. He, in that moment, I thought he thought he was doing the right thing. There, there was never any hero complex with it. Yeah. Not, not to our knowledge, because I think there can be that of no, I'll go. I got it. And when, when you yeah. don't, you're being prideful, but it was literally just, I think he was worried about his friends, at least, at least yeah. from, you know, this uh, production of this movie, one parenting lesson. I'm going to pick on Donner one more time. If I, <laughs> if I may. <sighs> okay. And it starts with, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. This is real. This, okay. this is uh, Donner at the end. Mm-hmm. He said, he's so proud he also said, I'm sorry for uh, for what I said. And I'm sitting here going, you mean you're sorry for what you said his whole life? Mm-hmm. He is like that absent dad that comes around when his kid is a professional athlete. <laughs> like he's so proud based on recognition and accomplishment. And obviously we, we talked about the pressures of accomplishment and society and fitting in. But we have to be cautious. I don't think most people do this so obviously like some of the movies portray. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are, there are obvious stories of, yeah, I mean, some, so-and-so becomes a, a NBA star and all of a sudden his dad knows him again. I mean, his, his dad walked out on him, you know, at a young age, but it can be that way where I think with multiple kids, especially you can brag on one because of the accomplishments and it's just a little harder to quote brag on the other. Cause they have a great personality, but they don't have all these checklisted things of what they've accomplished. So I'm going to, I'm going to give Donna a break here and I'm going to kind of go, I don't know, the opposite side of the fence just for a second. Okay. If you can handle it, because man, you should see his eyes light up when he talks about <laughs> my, my eyebrows are inverted you when t- I talk about Donna. <laughs> uh. Oh my word. So you did mention that he went to go look for his son. He did that. And so his actions, although late, do speak louder than his words. His heart is, I do love my kid. I love my kid. And so at the beginning of the film, you see him working. It says for a year that they hid right. Rudolph for a year. Yeah. And they were trying, he's trying to tell him, all right, this is what we do as reindeers. So you see love there, but he's so wrapped up in what other people are going to think that he is not sharing his love in a righteous manner. Uh, yeah. And I would agree with the last part, I guess, I guess whether it's him or whether it's just, this is a possibility of, of people doing this. Does he love his son or does he love the idea of what he thought being a dad with a son was going to be. And I think you could, as a parent, perhaps you're kind of dealing with something along the lines of, I was disappointed because I thought my child was going to turn out a certain way. Yeah. I think it's all connected because you can't take away one part of your love and, and 
somehow separated from a different, you're all connected. Mm -hmm. Your emotions are connected. Your physical being's connected to that too. So it's, so I think there's always going to be, that is your child. You love your child. You may be disappointed with some things. Sure. And then you get counsel from other people. Like clearly Donner was getting counsel from Santa Claus. What a shame. Well, that's the boss (laughs) looking down at your kid. Yeah. So he messed up clearly and he went and tried to find his child to bring him back. Now, I will also bring up something that was not subtle. Donner goes to look for his kid and when the wife wants to go, oh, this is man's work. Huh. Hmm. This is clearly done in the 60s. Sounds like you don't like Donner. (laughs) And uh, not just that, but when... (laughs) When they decide to go home after the abominable situation... Well, they decided to go home because the women were tired is literally the word. Oh, I didn't catch that. Because the women were tired. They're Wait, all what? They were all held hostage. <laughs> <laughs> so I did catch that. A little girls watching that might get now you may be saying, come on, Rochelle, this is ridiculous. This is a car this is a cartoon slash stop motion animation feature. Uh, oh, I gotta go back and watch that though. That's well, I didn't catch that. <laughs> But at the same time, you could tell that this was a certain decade where certain things yeah. were said and politically correct, impolitically correct. The weaker sex was very <laughs> exhausted. Now, Donner could have handled more hostage situations. Oh, my word. Okay. So clearly, there's a lot of food for thought here. Yeah. No, it's good. It's. I mean, all these are going to be great on relationships. Again, Boundaries was a great example last week with Christmas Vacation. So if you want to go back and watch that, we did this last year as well, seeing Jesus in whatever Christmas movie. And what would you say, you kind of wrapped up last week's with the word boundaries. What would you wrap up this week's, like a one word? Maybe it would be expectation. Mm. Identification. Yeah. Whatever I put emphasis on is what is going to be important to me, right? And am I identifying with Jesus on a daily basis? Because then I'm not going to care what anybody else says about me. I'm going to care about what Jesus says about me. And that's all that matters. And if I'm serving him for his purpose, and that may, yes, quote, unquote, divorce me from certain relationships because I have chosen to follow after Christ, it may even divorce me from certain expectations in my life that I thought I was going to walk out Sure, because he's asked me to follow him. I just know that at the end of the day, when I follow him, I can trust him with the outcome, even if it didn't match the expectation because God's way is going to offer the best way. Can I offer one more non-spiritual observation about this movie? I really wish you would because this got super deep. And again, it's a stop motion animation. It's not claymation. We know that because you corrected me. <clears throat> but Like a nerd. I'm just watching. It's stop motion uh, animation. How dare you? But I'm just watching the end when the eight uh, misfit toys are getting in the... <laughs> It went with the reindeer. Eight reindeer. And I'm, I'm, Nine s- with Rudolph. I'm sitting here going, what uh, what kids got the misfit? <laughs> because I mean, gift exchange central right there for me. I'd wow. even take store credit. I would take store credit if you Aww. give me. I would, I would take the jelly squirter. But besides that. No, my son, he's like, I like the elephant with the pink spots. Pink polka Would dots. you take a train with square wheels? This well, thing won't roll. You know what's really cool, though, is that if you have ever tried to put a train up on a shelf like as a display. That's true. It'll roll right off the ledge. Now it won't. You are glass half full. 
Dave. What about a cowboy riding an ostrich? That's just weird. <laughs>